So we are in the middle of chapter 39, and we are looking at the power of intention on our Torah study and our mitzvah performance. And we learned that somebody who has intention on the level of instinct, which means that they tap into their natural love and fear of Hashem, then their Torah study and their mitzvah performance gets propelled to the world of Yetzirah. It's a world of godly emotion. That is the nature of that world. And that's where their Torah and mitzvah gets propelled. And their soul rises to that world after they finish their service in this world. The difference between the soul and the Torah study or the mitzvah performance is that the soul remains in the external aspects of the world as a separate entity, a separate identity, which then derives pleasure from the radiance of the Shekhinah, which turns out to be the radiance of their own divine service. Because their divine service becomes incorporated within the divinity of that world. And that Essence, the essence of their Torah study and mitzvah performance cannot be apprehended because it's truly divine. What does the soul enjoy? What kind of pleasure does the soul get? It gets pleasure from the radiance of their Torah and mitzvah. And if somebody generates intellectual fear and love, meaning they meditate about Hashem, they come to recognize his greatness and true palpable emo emotions follow that meditation. And with those emotions, they get, go and study Torah and they go and do a mitzvah. Then their service rises higher than the world of Yetzirah to the world of Berea, the world of divine intellect. And their soul too rises to that world and it has an intellectual appreciation, which is much higher than an emotional appreciation of the divine, and they bask in the radiance of their own Torah and mitzvahs. Now we're going to look at the world of Atzilus, which really is beyond our ken, because let's think about it. We have three levels of soul that are within our body, that are internal aspects, so to say. The lowest of them is nefesh, and that's the practical behavioral aspect of our soul, and everybody uses that to some degree. Higher than that, if a person perfects themselves and they become emotionally in tune with the divine, then they reach the level of ruach. And higher than that, when they reach an intellectual appreciation, when they have a deep intellectual awareness, then they reach the highest level, the level of neshama. Somebody who reaches that highest level, their soul rises to the world of Bria, their service rises to the world of Bria. Higher than that, how can we reach? We can't possibly, it seems to be that we can't possibly reach higher than the intellect. And indeed, in this chapter, the author is going to say that the world of Atsilas is not the abode of Tzadikim. That's the world of Bria. The world of Atsilas is the world of Tzadikim Gedailim, extraordinarily great Tzadikim. So what does that have to do with us? Tanya is the book of the Benoni. Tanya is the book for the everyday person. And clearly this level is beyond the everyday person. And the Rebbe speaks about it. this. So fascinating. The Rebbe in a talk, in a Farbringen, he turns to the Hasidim there and he says, what does this have to do with regular people? 
There's a few reasons that the Rebbe gives. One of the reasons the Rebbe says is that if you ask somebody in this room, does this apply to you? Do you think this is relatable to you? In public, he'll say no. But if you take him privately, he might say yes. And even if somebody will say no, there has to be 36 tzaddikim in every generation. And somebody may not realize that they have access to this level, but inherently they do. So that's one reason. And that's because this does apply to some people, but actually the Rebbe says it applies to all of us because all of us have to meditate upon the essence of this kind of service. And it has some bearing on us. The great Hasidic mentor and scholar, Rav Yoel Khan, wrote an essay, a scholarly essay in Hasidic thought. And he said, just the fact that there are people who serve Hashem at this level, the level of Atzilus, is indicative of the service of all the Jewish people. That really, that's what all of our service is about. Just these are the people who materialize it and it applies to all of us. And knowing that there's people who serve on that level affects the rest of us. And this reminds me of a scientific study, the Roger Bannister effect. I don't know if you heard of it. Roger Bannister was actually a neurologist, but in his youth or his teenage college years, I guess they're not teenage years, in his younger years, he was an athlete and he broke a record. He broke the record of the four minute mile. So he did it, I think, in three minutes and 59 seconds. That record was almost impossible to break until he broke the record. Soon after Roger Bannister broke the record, quite a number of people broke that record. And psychologists were wondering, what happened? Did people suddenly become more fit? But no, it was a mindset change. Once they saw that it could be done, suddenly many more people were able to do it. I once heard a class from Rabbi Steinsaltz, and he was quoting the father of cybernetics, a Jewish mathematician genius, Norbert Wiener. He's actually a descendant of Maimonides and Rabbi Akiva Eger. And he didn't believe in scientific secrets. And one of the things that he said was that the biggest scientific secret is knowing that it can be done. Once the atomic bomb was invented, it wasn't about how it was invented. Knowing that it can be done allows other people to go ahead and replicate that. And I was thinking, I don't know if this is exactly related, but it is somewhat related. Knowing that other people serve at this level has a profound effect on us. And also we change and we evolve and things that were impossible for us earlier on in our service, later on could become possible. The Rebbe references chapter 14 in Tanya where the Altar speaks about somebody who was not born with the capability of being a tzaddik. But then the Altar says, that maybe after all his efforts, a spirit will come down upon him from above as a gift. And a soul of a tzaddik will become as if impregnated within his own soul. So suddenly he has an expanded consciousness. And this could happen to someone who wasn't born with those capabilities. Rabbi Steinsaltz talks about people in Jewish history who have sanctified the name of Hashem, have suffered martyrdom for the sake of Hashem, and how they experienced suddenly expanded capabilities in their relationship with Hashem. He speaks about a number of historical accounts, and he gives references to books 
where, which record that people who were being burned at stake, Al-Kiddush Hashem, for the sake of Hashem's name, were not suffering pain at that time. And they were having coherent conversation until their soul left their body. And he said that they were experiencing an entirely different level because they chose to completely surrender to Hashem. They had access to levels that they didn't have access to before. And he gives an account of the last of the people to be burned at the Spanish Inquisition that he said he felt no pain. And the entire time as his body was on fire, he sang Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And this left such a profound effect on the audience that purportedly this is one of the reasons why they stopped the Spanish Inquisition. Rabbi Steinzeltz further says that he had a conversation with someone who was on death row in Russia for keeping Judaism. And miraculously, he was saved. And he told Rabbi Steinzeltz that for a while after his commitment to give up his life for Hashem, Everything about his service of Hashem changed. The way he studied Torah, the way he prayed, the way he did a mitzvah, he suddenly felt like he's somewhere else. And it was because he decided to give up his life for the sake of Hashem that he had access to higher levels. So yes, most of us are not born with the capability of a tzaddik. And even if we will never have the capability of a tzaddik, something of their service does apply to us. It has a bearing on us. It affects us. And we may have access to it in some ways. I once read this analogy of this guy who was sitting at a circus, watching an elephant being led by a chain. And he was so mystified. How does this huge elephant, the strongest of the animals, be inhibited by this chain that he could bust with one kick? It doesn't make sense. So he did research and he found out that the elephant was born in the circus. And it was a ba- when it was a baby elephant, the chain did indeed hold him in. When he got older, he didn't realize that his strength was so much greater that with one small kick, he could have busted the chain. And the same is true for us. We don't have to be limited by our more spiritually immature selves. Yes, we all have to go through that. We had moments where we're extremely spiritually immature. And then we felt like, you know, we couldn't do any better. That's like the huge elephant being contained by a tiny little chain. It doesn't make any sense. We have to keep pushing forward and realizing that we have access to higher levels. Maybe not yet the world of Atsilas, but definitely higher than where we are right now. So now having described the world, the service that leads to the world of Yetzira and the service that leads to the world of Bria, the Altarab is now going to describe what is this world of Atsilas. And one of the printed out booklets were on page nine. I think in the other one we're on page 10. I'm not sure. Having explained that Bria is the abode of the souls that served God with intellectual love and fear and Yetzirah of souls that served him with natural love and fear, the Altarab will now discuss the divine service of those souls whose abode is in the world of Atsilas. The quality of their divine service, he explains, surpasses even that of intellectual love and fear. This is the level of those tzaddikim who become variable chariots for God. They have no will, save his will, and their every act testifies to their utter self-nullification before him. So that's what the service of those great people look like, but let's look at the world now. The 
The world of Atsilos is beyond the grasp and understanding of a created being's intellect. Even a spiritual being in the world of Berea is after all a created being, and Atsilos is beyond its grasp as well. So yes, angels have a much higher grasp than we do. Souls who have become disembodied and are no longer contained in this world have a much higher grasp than we do. Nevertheless, they are a created being. Created being means limited. The world of Atsilas is infinite, and therefore, a created being has no grasp in that world. Now, of course, there's a huge difference between an angel and a soul. We're calling them both created beings. But the truth is, a soul is a created being only as it has devolved. In its essence, a soul is truly divine. But as it has in a separate identity of its own, its own separate consciousness, it's a created being, it is limited, it has no grasp in the world of Atsilas. And the Altar will explain why. Ki chachmasai v'inasai v'daytai sha'ensai baruchu miyuchadesham betachles hayichod. For the Chachma, Bina, and Da'as of the Einsaif are united with him there in Atsilos in perfect unity. In a profound and wonderful unity. So there's a very big difference between the Chachma, Bina, Da'as of Atsilos and the Chachma, Bina, Da'as in every other world. Yes, in every world, they are united with Hashem. That's what we learned. No matter which world, the ten spheres of that world are divine. They're utterly united with Hashem. The difference between the way they are united with Hashem in the world of Atilas and the way they are united with Hashem in any other world is that the unification is not apparent in lower worlds. In this world of Atilas, it is such a complete unification that it is beyond any other world. It is beyond the grasp of an intellect. Impossible for an intellect to grasp there. The author of explains, With infinitely greater magnitude and greater power than in the world of Bria. Because we're going to ask a question there, right? We have been learning again and again that why does a soul who serves Hashem with intellectual love and fear rise to the world of Bria? That is because in the world, the lower world, the world of Yetzirah is where Hashem's emotional faculties radiate. But in the higher world of Bria, that's where Hashem's, as it were, intellectual faculties radiate. Chachma, Bina, and Das. So what is this idea now that in the world of Atzilas, the reason why we can't grasp there is because Chachma, Bina, and Das are completely united with the Ein Saif. The Altar is explaining because yes, they are united with the Ein Saif in the world of Bria. But the way they are united with Hashem, with the Infinite One, with the Ein Saif Baruch Hu, in the world of Atzilas, is incomparably greater, with a perfect unity beyond the world of Bria. It's not the same thing. In the world of Bria, Hashem has already contracted Himself in order to make Himself available to the created beings. In the world of Atzilas, the unity is so wonderful, so immense, so tremendous, it's impossible for the intellect of a created being to grasp there. Now, Alter was going to explain how it is in the world of Bria. For there, they descended to illuminate only to a restricted, contracted degree. The Chabad of Atzilas, referred to here as Chabad of the Ein radiate in Bria only after their light is contracted. 
And the reason for this great contraction was, כדי שיוכלו שכלם נברם לקבל מהם חכמה בין הדס לידעת השם ולהבין ולהסיק איזה השג הבארי נסייף ברכו. So as to enable the intellect of, a created, of created beings, namely angels and souls of Bria, to receive Chabad, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge from these Sifirot of Atzilos, so that they might know God and so that they might grasp and comprehend something of the Ain Sof light. Because there's a very big difference the way Hashem's wisdom is and our wisdom is. When we're looking at Hashem's wisdom in the world of Atzilos, we can't look at our wisdom compared to us. This is an idea that the Rambam references in the beginning of his work in Hilchas Yosei Hatera. The three chapters Rambam cycle started again, so lucky people who are doing the three chapters, this is what they get to learn these days. And if you're doing Sefer HaMitzvahs, you're learning these mitzvahs too. And of course, one of the first mitzvahs is knowing the unity of Hashem. You know, we think of this as like a, a Kabbalistic concept. This is a Hasidic concept. No, it's one of the 613 mitzvahs. You have to know the unity of Hashem. How are we going to know the unity of Hashem if we don't study what we're studying? And in fact, the Alter Rebbe writes in Kuntras Achorin, later on in Tanya, in Essay 4, he says that knowing Seder Hishtalshalos, knowing these ideas of the chain-like order of the descent of the world, is actually a mitzvah. I'm going to read you his words from Kuntras Achorin. He says like this, Yediyaz HaMetzios Meha Hishtalshalos he says like this, The knowledge of the existence of the Hishtalshalas is also a lofty and exalted mitzvah. Indeed, it outweighs them all. It outweighs all the other mitzvahs. As the Pasuk says, Know this day that Hashem is your God, and know the God of your Father. In other words, Learning and knowing about God himself is an important mitzvah. And moreover, this leads to serving Hashem with a whole heart. And this is the essential thing. The wholehearted Ahav Hashem is the ultimate purpose of all the mitzvahs. That's what Maish Rabbeinu told the Jewish people. He said, Hashem, Hashem commanded us all these mitzvahs so that we may fear God. Ultimately, the reason why we keep all the mitzvahs is to come to this place of utter awe of Hashem. Learning about the chain-like order of the descent of the world, Alter tells us, even though we're not going to be able to grasp it in its entirety, it's beyond us. Nevertheless, it brings us to knowing Hashem, and that causes us to serve Him with a whole heart. So yes, we need to push the limits of our intellect. We have to struggle. We have to work hard. But this is important because it allows us to have a deeper relationship with Hashem. So we're looking at the difference of our own intellect with ourself and Hashem's intellect with Himself, as it were. Yes, our intellect expresses the essence of our soul. But is it our soul? No. You can always differentiate between the person and his intellect. But the Rambam writes in Hilchas Yisraeli Hatayra, the Holy One, blessed be He, does not know with the knowledge which is external to Him in the way that we know, for ourselves and our knowledge are not one. Rather, the Creator, may He be blessed, He, His knowledge, and His life are one from all sides and corners in all manners of unity. Thus you can say, He is the knower, He is the subject of knowledge, and He is the knowledge itself. All 
is one. Hashem's knowledge is Him. This matter is beyond the ability of our mouths to relate or our ears to hear, nor is there the capacity within the heart of man to grasp it in its entirety. This helps us understand why we cannot grasp anything at all in the world of Atilas. Because you're going to say, okay, why can we grasp anything of the divine in the world of Bria? The Altarebbe clearly told us, because that's where Hashem's Chachma Bina and Da'as shine. Because his intellectual faculties radiate in the world of Bria, that's why intellects of created beings can grasp there in the world of Bria. His intellect shines there. He allows us to grasp him through intellect. Okay, so then what's the difference between that and the world of Atilas? There's a big difference. Because in the world of Bria, he contracted himself to make himself available, as it were, to created beings. In the world of Atilas, there is some level of contractions. After all, there are 10 specific forms through which he expresses his essence. But that unity is so immense and so wonderful, it's Hashem himself. And Hashem himself is beyond the ability of the mind to grasp. Over there in that world, yes, the decree of says, in the words of Eliyahu Hanavi, he says, You are intrinsically wise, but not with a knowable attribute of wisdom. You understand, but not with a knowable attribute of understanding. And these are the words of Elijah the prophet in the introduction to Tikkuni Zohar. So yes, in the world of Bria, we could apprehend Hashem to some degree, and that's because he contracted himself to suit our vessels. Something small cannot contain something larger than itself. For example, in the famous analogy of the Talmud, the eye of a needle cannot hold an elephant. It's not possible. Why? Because the tiny little eye of the needle cannot contain something massively larger than itself. And here we're speaking about two finite things. How can something finite grasp the infinite? It cannot. And therefore, the finite intellect of a created being can only grasp in the world of Bria because that's where Hashem already contracted himself, as it were, to make himself available to the intellect of created beings. To the extent that the intellect of finite, limited, created beings is capable of understanding. So the reason why he contracted himself in the world of Bria is so that they might grasp him according to their abilities. And what would happen if he would not contract himself? The Altarab explains, To achieve this purpose, a contraction of Chabad of Atilas was necessary, lest they, the created beings, dissolve out of existence. And lest they furthermore cease altogether to exist as created beings, reverting instead to their source and root, namely godliness itself. The Rebbe in his notes on Tanya points out that these are two separate thoughts. It's not a repetition. It's actually not just this, but even this. First of all, if he would reveal himself as he were in the world of Atsilos, they would cancel out of existence. But not just that, even more than that, they would cease to be a created being at all. They would just not be a created being. That's what happened if they were exposed to Hashem as he is in the world of Atsilas. And that's why he contracts himself in the world of Bria to make himself available to our limited vessels so we can relate to him from that space.
Were the Chabad of Atzilus to shine forth in Bria without being contracted, allowing the creatures of Bria to grasp godliness as it radiates in the sphere of Atzilus, these creatures would be overwhelmed by the godly illumination beyond their capacity to absorb and would dissolve out of existence. So yes, the truth is that our service here should bring us to a place where we are totally surrendered to our divine core. But that shouldn't be an automatic response that Hashem exposes himself more than we could handle and then we dissolve out of existence. Hashem wants it that through our own efforts, he puts us on the other side of this dark curtain. He's on the side too, by the way, we just can't see it anymore. And he expects us to solve the riddle. He's hiding and he says, where am I? And we have to come to the space to realize he's everywhere. And he is the essence of everything. And there is nothing else besides Hashem. And there is one truth, and that's Hashem Elohim Emes. God is true. And that's it. That has to come through our own service, our own efforts. Not through exposure that's beyond our capabilities, and then it causes all of creation to cease to be. There was a point in creation. The point in creation is Hashem hides himself. He creates this whole like this whole chain-like order descent of the world till there's a world that doesn't recognize him, that doesn't see him, that doesn't know him naturally. Nothing here speaks about him. And suddenly creatures on the other side of this dark curtain say, I found you. That is the point. But it has to be of our own efforts, not through exposure that's beyond our capabilities. So why can't we grasp Hashem as he is in the world of Atzilus. And we keep revisiting this question again. We'll have to look at it from many different angles. Let's digest it. The Tzemach Tzedek, this is the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, wrote a book called, he wrote many works, but one of the, these Sepharim that he wrote is called Derech Mitzvah Secha, and he gives mystical reasons for mitzvahs. And one of the things that he writes in Mitzvah HaManas Aleikos, the mitzvah to believe in Hashem, is Kol Chush Taifes Muchashai. Every sense grasps of its own sense. What does that mean? So let's say you're looking at a book. Then you're holding the book. There's something of the book that allows it to be felt. There's something of a book that allows it to be seen. And the reason for that is because the book relates to these senses within itself, meaning it has something in and of itself that relates to these different senses. So, if you want to know the color of the letters on the book, you're not going to be able to grasp that through your sense of touch. It's not because your sense of touch is inadequate. It's just because it doesn't relate to that other realm. And the same thing too, through your power of vision, you can take in the color of the book but you cannot actually feel the book. You might have an idea of what it feels like. You cannot actually feel the book through your power of vision because that is not available to your power of vision. In order for there to be something to be picked up by our senses, that thing itself has to have certain characters and qualities that give it a common ground with a sense so that it can be picked up by that sense. So the reason why you cannot hold a logical idea in your hands, because a logical idea does not have physical properties, and so it is not available to the sense of touch. It's not something tactile that we can hold in our hand. And again, it's not because there's something wrong with the sense of touch. The sense of touch has its bordered and bounded properties, and that's all it can do is feel whatever is available to it. Now, David HaMelech writes in Tehillim, 
Kulam Bechachma Asisa. You have made them all with wisdom. And this tells us that everything in this world was created with wisdom. The ten sephirites are inherent to everything that was created. If something was created, it could be understood. We take that as a given, but the reason why everything created could be understood is because Hashem has made them all with wisdom. And you're going to tell me, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't understand. I just picked up a book on quantum mechanics and I don't get any of it. Yeah, but it's not because there's something wrong with quantum mechanics. It's because we still have to develop our own capabilities in order to understand it. But inherently, it could be understood. Anything created could be understood. Hashem is beyond creation. And therefore, He is not available to our power of intellect. Only as he expresses himself in 10 specific forms, once he contracted himself, once he puts out these 10 sephirot through which to relate to creation, he is as if available to our mind. But beyond that, he is completely unavailable to our mind. And in the world of Atsilos, even though there are these 10 specific forms, these 10 sephirot in the world of Atsilos are totally fused with Hashem himself, so that they themselves are infinite. And the Chachma Bina and Da'as of Atsilos are not like the Chachma Bina and Da'as in the lower worlds. They are really an expression of Hashem, who is in the worlds of the Maharal, Pashot Betachlis Hapshitos, simple as simple can be, utterly and totally simple, impossible to be grasped by any sense. The Sephirites too in that world are actually utterly simple, and they are impossible to be sensed. They are beyond our mind. And only once Hashem contracts himself to make himself available intellectually to us, can we relate to him in that way. So the world of Atsilas is a world which is total godliness. It is a place where the truth that there is nothing else besides Hashem pervades the entire world. And because that truth pervades the entire world, it is beyond the ken of our intellect to grasp there. Hashem is not graspable by the intellect. This is something that the Alter Rebbe writes in a note to chapter 2, and I'm going to read you the Alter Rebbe's words. And he says, The Ainsof, blessed be he, is infinitely exalted over and transcends the essence and level of Chachma Bina Das, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, completely beyond the capabilities of our intellect. So we learned about the world of Yetzirah. It's a world of divine emotion. We learned about the world of Berea. It's a world of divine intellect. The created beings, the angels, the, soul in that, the souls in that world, they can relate to Hashem through intellect. In the world of Atsilas, Hashem's intellect too shines, but that's very, very different. In Bria, Hashem contracts himself to make himself available to the limited capacities of created beings. And we're talking about huge created beings, sublime angels, lofty souls, but they are limited. By being created, they are limited. In the world of Atsilas, the Sephiris are totally fused with Hashem, who is utterly simple, they too are utterly simple, 
Just like our eyes can't feel and our fingers can't see, our mind cannot grasp intellectually in the world of Atsilas. Now, hence, the Alter Rebbe will continue. It is only the godliness in, in a contracted Chabad that creatures of Bria can grasp and absorb, and even then, only to the extent of their limited capacity. The light of Chabad and its pristine state, as in Atsilos, is beyond them. Vihine simtum zeh hisibas ha'he'ara shemeire sham chachma binadash ha'insef baruchu l'neshames elu ba'elam habriya. This contraction, which Chabad of Atsilos undergo in order to radiate in Bria, thus causes the souls in the world of Bria to be illuminated by a glow of Chabad of the Ensof, meaning the Chabad of Atsilos. It is this contraction that enables them to have some perception of the Ensof flame. Ma she'enkein ba'atzilos, she'enam bevchinat simtum kol kach, i'efshar l'schalem nivraim l'kabo mehem. The created intellectual beings of Bria cannot, however, apprehend Chabad as they are, meaning in all their undimmed intensity in the world of Atsilos, where the Chabad are not contracted to such a great degree as they are in Bria. And here they have a commentary to such a great degree. For the very fact of their being Sifirot, meaning individual divine categories, indicates that Chabad are merely contracted, limited manifestations of the undefinable Ensof. Meaning, even in the world of Atilas, there's some level of contraction. The fact that Hashem expresses himself in 10 specific forms means there's some level of contraction. However, it is much less than that of Bria, and therefore, the creatures of Bria cannot receive intellectual illumination from Chabad of Atilas. Therefore, their thought cannot grasp there at all, meaning the thought and intellect of the created beings of Bria can in no way grasp the light radiating in Atsilas. So let's wrap up what we said about the world of Atsilas, and then we're going to introduce this next section. We said that the world of Atsilas is a place where Hashem is totally unified with the Ten Sefirot. Those Ten Sefirot are totally one with Him. And therefore, it is beyond the capability of, an in, of a created being to grasp with his intellect. Whether it's an angel, whether it's his soul, impossible for a created great being to grasp in the world of Atsilos. And yes, Hashem's Chachma Das too radiated the world of Bria, but it's not the same thing. In the world of Bria, they have been limited, they have been contracted, so that created beings could relate to them. If there were not this contraction... They would just cancel out of existence, and furthermore, they wouldn't even be created beings at all. In the world of Atsilas, that's where Hashem totally radiates. He's not contracted to such a great degree, and therefore, created beings cannot grasp there at all. Now we're going to look at the service of those great Sadiqim who actually end up in that world of Atsilas who serve Hashem at the level of Atilas. What is it about them? It's not their emotions, which would take them to the world of Yatira. It's not their intellect, which would take them to the world of Bria. It's something else. It's called Bittel. Bittel means, and I'm going to translate this in English, English, and I'm going to get you really mad. It means self-nullification. 
And when anybody hears the word self-nullification or a great amount of American people hear the word self-nullification, they say, no way, that's, that's against my philosophy, that's against my culture, there's no such thing as self-nullification, that's self-annihilation, that's terrible, self-esteem is very important, you got to have a healthy self, a sense of self, you have a healthy self-esteem. So that is not what we're talking about over here. And the truth is, Bittel, self-nullification, or suspension of self, is a most awesome and wonderful way of being. It's really just surrendering to your divine core. The root of all of our problems began at the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Chava chose to ingest evil instead of having it be an external experience to them. They wanted it to be internal and they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then we have the problem of klipas nega, where good and evil are mixed and a person has a subjective sense of self. At that time, there became a split in our consciousness. At that time, the human being then had an awareness of self independent of their divine mission. A truly healthy Happy, divine person has no sense of self other than the reason why they are here. Adam and Chava didn't have to clothe themselves because nothing of their body served a function other than divine mission. The second that they started to see themselves as something separate from the divine, that's when they needed to clothe themselves because then there was self-interest involved and that becomes embarrassing. But the truth is, somebody who lives at this level of total self-surrender to Hashem is surrendering to the essence of everything, which is truly their core. They live a seamless life, and everything that they do expresses Hashem. And while you can say, well, that sounds a bit much, but look at us, each of us in our own way, serve a position of leadership. And a leader who is consumed with self-interest, is an extremely ineffective leader. I mean, look what's going on with world politics. As soon as there is ego involved, where the leader feels themselves, then they cannot make decisions properly for the good of their country. You can say, well, I want to think about myself. Well, go ahead. But now when you're taking care of a little child and suddenly the child is having a temper tantrum, and all you can think about is how they're giving you a headache or what are, you're not going to be effective. Because the question is not how is this about me, but what is needed of me? And the answer might be the same. That child may need to go to their room. But it's all from a different space. Is Does that child need to go to their room because they're giving me a huge headache and I just need a break from that child? Or does that child need to go to their room because of love and compassion and they need a break? They need a chance to unwind. The child feels the difference. It's the same solution, but the motive is so different and it is very different. And a a leader who operates out of that place of self-nullification, suspension of self, is actually the most powerful leader. Somebody who lives with a place of self-absorption, somebody who works out of a place of self, self-absorption is myopic. They're ineffective. They can't possibly make world changes that they need to make because they're stuck in the conceptions of one small, limited human being. Somebody who can surrender their facade 
and access their deepest, most divine space is actually the more grand person. But not because who they are as a person, but because they have surrendered to their divine core and they allow Hashem to shine through them. And that's what the world of Atilas is about. There's different levels of surrender. Chassidus talks about Betel Hayesh and Betel B'Metzias. Betel Hayesh means canceling out your ego. So somebody who lives on the level of Betel Hayesh may have desires of their own, but they are totally subservient to the divine will, and they do only what Hashem wants. And that's a very high level. That's the level of a very devoted servant who never has their own side business agenda. They only do what their master wants. Could one day they decide that they no longer want to serve their master? They could. But then there's a level of bitol bimetzias. Bitol bimetzias means nullified in existence. And again, I don't know how that comes out. But nullified in existence means you have no agenda of your own. There's no self to nullify. The servant has to struggle with his own will, which he nullifies. The car, the chariot, initially has no agenda of its own. It goes wherever the rider takes it. And that is the world of Atsilas. It is the difference between vision and comprehension. Our Chachamim tell us, Ezehu Chacham Haraya Es Who is wise? He who sees that which will be born, meaning the consequences of his action. The world of Atsilas, in contrast to the world of Bria, is a world where Hashem's Chachma shines. The difference between Atsilas and Bria is in the world of Bria, Hashem's Bina shines, the attribute of comprehension. At that point, in the space of comprehension, there is an existence of self. What does that mean? In order for you to process an idea, and let's say you get so involved in the idea that you truly lose yourself in the idea, it's always about you processing. There's always the one who is processing, and it's only as stood, understood as best as your mind can understand it. It's not about the idea appearing to you. It's about you digesting, internalizing, comprehending the idea. And in fact, if somebody exposes you to an idea, which you didn't understand, that's not called comprehension, but you heard it. It was brought to your awareness. Yeah, but if you don't understand it, you don't understand it. That's not comprehension. Comprehension is self-based. It is all about the person who pieces together the idea, process it with their own implements, and the way they understand it is the way they understand it. That's the world of Bria. But there's a world higher than that. That's the world of Atsilas. That's the world of vision. That's where Hashem's Chachma radiates. What is Chachma? Chachma is absolute nullification to Hashem. It has no agenda other than nullification to Hashem. In the world of Atsilas, all of the Sephirah are nullified to him. Nevertheless, if you're going to look under a microscope or whichever kind of tool you're going to use to analyze that, each one is going to have its own flavor. Chesed is kindness. Gevura is severity. Chachma is nothing other than that there's nothing besides Hashem. That's what Chachma is. Total nullification. And what is vision? Vision is, understand it or not, you see it. The thing itself appears to you. 
It's not about a sense of self. It is something that you see because it is manifest to you. And so let's say somebody tells you about a beautiful work of art. And in your mind, you're appreciating the beauty. Can you compare it to when you actually see the work of art? You can't. Because the experience of seeing something allows you to lose your sense of self. If somebody is in the presence of a great and awesome person, when they would have heard about the person, they might have had an opinion. I want to be close to that person. I want to learn from that person. I want to be a servant to that person. What a follower of that person. But when they're in the presence of a truly great human being, they don't even process all those thoughts. They're dumbstruck. There's no sense of self. And that's the world of Atsilas. And those are the tzaddikim who serve in the world of Atsilas. And next class, we're going to explore what is it like for these tzaddikim who have no sense of self are in this state of absolute, utter nullification to Hashem, where Hashem's will is their will. And that is the service of Hashem on the level of the world of Atilas. So just to give a general overview of today's class, we learned that there is the loftiest of worlds is the world of Atilas. That's where Hashem's tents, if he wrote, are utterly unified with him. It is beyond the grasp of the intellect because it is not available to the mind until Hashem constructs constricts himself like he does in the world of Bria, it's impossible to fathom him. If somebody were to understand in that world, they would be canceled out of existence. In fact, they wouldn't have been a created being at all. And in order to approach the service of those people who are connected to the world of Atilas, we're learning about total nullification of existence. Being in a space where a person has no side agenda, the only agenda is the true agenda, the divine core of everything, and that is the will of Hashem. So I'm closing up class for today and I'm opening up for questions and discussion.